Hey, thanks for joining me at 9394, a music podcast with me. I'm Travis. I hope you're doing well. What can I say about the Rolling Stones? Living legends, or mostly living legends. It's almost like talking about an Elvis album or a Beatles album or something, but that's the Rolling Stones. They never stopped. In fact, since Josh Adkins and I recorded this episode, they've released a new album, which we had no idea was happening when we recorded this a couple weeks ago. So that's exciting. And I was excited to be able to talk to Josh. I've been on his podcast, All American Spook Show, which I highly recommend. They don't only do horror movies. They specialize in horror movies, but they also dig into a lot of schlock and like cult classics and really fun stuff. And it's more than just a podcast. They have a whole multimedia network that they're building. So definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me and Josh as we talk about the Rolling Stones and their 1994 album, Voodoo Lounge. How you doing? How's it going, man? Good, man. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. It's been a minute. It has. It's been a good year, I think, since I was on your guys' show, I want to say. October, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was when we did, uh, good lord, what movie was that? Wasn't it um, something to do with werewolves, right? No. No, it was um, it was Tales of the Crypt movie. Demon Knight. Yep, yep. That's what it was. How could I forget? Yeah, well, you, you know, you do a lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> a, a few. It seems like you guys have definitely been expanding your interest too, which is oh, yeah. fun. It's fun for you guys, I'm sure. It's definitely fun for us listening. It is, but it is because sometimes you get some some heavy turds, you yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah. Sometimes you got to fight through them, I guess. Yes, but it's so far out of our wheelhouse. Sometimes, like literally tonight, we're going to record our, our next cannon fodder, and it's Emmanuel Four. Oh my <laughs> fucking god! How'd you come up with that one? Wheel spin. <laughs> Because the way we used to decide them was like, all right, each one of us would nominate a movie, then we would kind of spin the wheel, and then that's how we it. Well, we decided to just put every canon movie, like there's like 300 and something movies on a wheel, and then just spin it and see what it lands on. And then you get Emmanuel for. You guys are gluttons for punishment. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. I know one another, Josh. Uh, well, through a mutual acquaintance, our buddy Donnie. Yeah, shout out to Donnie fucking Richmond. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's either his legal name or his Christian name. <laughs> it could be both. <laughs> but you guys went to Full Sail together, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's how we met. And then you and I met because you have a podcast, All American Spook Show podcast. Yep. Yep. And uh, you invited me on there a couple times. And he's been on my other show, Cinema Nine. We need to get you back on there. It's been too long. 
I'd love to be back on. I had so much fun a couple times I was on there. There was a time I did Demon Knight, and then there was a time I came on and just talked about werewolves for like a half hour, <laughs> which made me very happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that was when we did like a whole summer of the wolf theme where like everything we watched that summer was werewolf movies and yeah. you had had some history with werewolves right like you did some kind of podcast or something yeah like i'd studied them some in a historical okay like, kind of angle when i was in school and so i just you know knew a lot of dumb things about <laughs> werewolves that was the perfect place to come to to talk about werewolves <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty rare that I get the chance to just divulge that information that just rattles around yeah, in my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this show. You chose the album. In fact, I gave you a whole list of like 250 albums. And I'm like, hey, here's a bunch of things that prompt an idea in you. And you're like, uh, you forgot Voodoo Lounge from Rolling Stones, which blew my mind that I had missed it. I'm really glad you chose it. Do you remember how you got to this album, how you came to get into it? Well, for me, it was one of the first CDs I ever bought. Oh, nice. I'm not sure when CDs became a thing where everybody was buying them, but I feel that like I was probably a little behind the curve on that. Mm -hmm. My brother is a couple years older than me and he got a CD player. It was probably around the summer of 94 and our parents took us somewhere to, all right, you guys can pick out one or uh, two CDs a piece. Nice. My two CDs that I chose were the brand new had just released prior to that, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish Cracker Review. Of course. I got to get that one on the show at some point. And then <laughs> Voodoo Lounge by Rolling Stones. Nice. If nothing else, this one kind of has a little bit of nostalgia, you know, for that, you know. For sure. Yeah. The first CDs, like I remember all my first couple of CDs was Godfather from Ned's Atomic Dustbin and uh, Subido's Bake yeah. Sale. So like those two albums, for me, always have a special place in your heart. Matter of fact, I got rid of a bunch of CDs, you know, uh, years ago. And I kept that yeah. one, like just because of what Good. it was. I, I didn't dig it out for this to show you, but you know, you know what it looks like, but <laughs> I've got it. I've got <laughs> it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you last time that um, I have the same infinity gauntlet there? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I did, but it makes me excited. You, you're the only other person I know that owns an Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite song on this album? Are you able to pick one? It's tough. I mean, because really, to me, it feels like it's a good, complete album. Mm -hmm. There are tracks that stand out, of course, but I mean, I guess you just have to go with the main single, Love is Strong. off the album yeah i mean that's probably the one that you know when i think about this album 
that's probably going to be the first one that pops into my head. So I'll probably go with that. Was that the first song you heard too? Do you remember? Yeah, probably. Well, I guess wait, if you bought the <laughs> CD, but had you heard the single before you bought the CD or you were like... I would imagine so. Like, I think this came out in July of 94. I can't remember the exact mm-hmm. date, but I would assume that the single probably came out before the album. I didn't look at all, like, you know, when the release and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, that was probably the first one. And it was a big deal when it came out. I mean, I feel like it had been, I didn't check, but it had been many years between albums from them. I remember it being a big deal. The previous one was Steel Wheels in 89. So it had been a while. Yeah, half a decade. I didn't really get into this album. I didn't get into classic rock or the Stones or anything for like another five years after this came out, like the late 90s, early 2000s is when I kind of finally went, yeah, I should probably investigate a lot of the classic rock stuff that I've been turning my nose up to for my teen years. And I was kind of the opposite because the way I came up was I was a classic rock guy because uh-huh. of what my parents listened to, my uncles and stuff like that. So like that's influenced yeah. me. You know, so like at this time period, man, I was heavy in the Queen. Nice. The Doors, the Stones, the Beatles, you know, all the classics yeah. of the 60s and 70s. You know. My dad listened to a lot of smooth jazz, so I didn't really have a lot to draw from there. Luckily, my older siblings had some pretty good taste in music. really get any exposure to this album until the sopranos actually i really thought going into listening to this album that my favorite song would be through and through which is used in i don't know if you're a sopranos fan but it's used quite a bit in the funhouse episode the season finale of season two i remember that Yeah, so I definitely thought that was going to be my favorite song going in, listening to it, since it was the one I was most familiar with. But I got to tell you, I think I have a new favorite uh, Rolling Stones song after listening to this album, which I really never had before, and that's Moon Is Up.
Moon is up is so good. It's just, I love the bass line. I love the kind of like persistent jam kind of mood without it getting too carried away. Like it seems like the kind of song you can listen to whatever mood you're in. Yeah. I really like it. It's a great tune and it really hits heavy. A lot heavier than some of the other tracks on here. This album really kind of goes up and down. You've got some classic kind of heavy rock tunes mm -hmm. that Stones were known for, but then they kind of bring it down and you've got some piano type stuff, you know, some melancholy type stuff that, you know, reminds you of Angie and some other older Stones tunes. Right. And they'll throw in a harpsichord randomly. What's that one song? There's a new guy in town, he's been dragging around He's the figure of youth And his eyes are so blue And they're looking at you So tell me the truth Well, well, he's got stories to tell it's yeah, like a fucking harpsichord all of a yeah. sudden. And just like, oh, okay, we're, we're a chamber band. Yeah. Here. <laughs> it's kind of more stripped down for them than it had been for a while leading up to mm. this. You know, like it really kind of goes back a little closer to their older roots of the 60s and 70s because some of that stuff from the 80s was really, you know, more produced. Yeah. You know, maybe more of the time kind of let's fit in mm -hmm. kind of thing. Not their strongest era, I don't think. Yeah, like there's some disco type stuff, you know, like, so, you know, <laughs> There's some good stuff there. It's like every album, I guess, but specifically with the Stones, and not everything's a hit. But I think with this one, they, they really kind of went back a little closer to their roots, at least. Which is very cool. And I hate to like already get into the whole Beatles comparison thing, which inevitably seems to come up with them. But I was thinking about listening to this album and how awesome it is that they stayed together. That's it right there. Like The question is always, which one's better? I don't know. I mean, I guess I prefer the Beatles because I always listen to them more, but as far as better, like a better band in terms of functionality, well, clearly the Rolling Stones are better. Not only did they stay together for decades and fuck one another and still manage to like produce good music and stay together, they have rode this wave of like multiple different albums in multiple different eras and have always kind of maintained some pretty consistently good output from what I can gather. Yeah, I mean, because no one can deny the output of the Beatles for that small amount. Because that's the thing, like, a lot of people don't dwell on sometimes is how the Beatles weren't together very long. Right. But maybe a decade, like five, six, seven years of, yeah. of their creativity together and then pff, gone, you know, where right. the Stones, just they're still rolling right now. And this album is a good example of how they continued to play with their style and both were able to return to some form and also, I think, expand on that a little bit. Is there an underrated song for you on this album? I I don't know. I mean, like, I think by and large, probably the entire album was a little underrated. Sure. You know, if you think about it like this time period, and I, and I know obviously that's what you're doing here with this podcast, like mm -hmm. it really feels to me like this time period is kind of one of the last dying breaths, so to speak, of rock. Yeah, it really was because like, yeah, there's been a lot of good stuff since then, of course, and I'm not knocking everything since, but I'm not one of those guys, but this feels like one of the last big gasp of one of the biggest bands of all time. And yes, they have released, I think three or four albums since then, mm -hmm. 29 years ago. Yeah. So they definitely slowed down after this. And one of those albums was a covers album, yeah. which is not quite, I mean, it counts, yeah, but still. it does, but it doesn't kind of thing. So really only two other studio albums, right? Yeah, But I think just because of the time period, everything was kind of going grunge and alternative and everything. And like the tides were changing at the time. So like, I think this one did well, 
but not as well mm-hmm. as a lot of their other albums. And it's probably not looked back upon as one of their classic albums because they have so many. Yeah. So because of that, it's like, all right, well, yeah, they did this in 94. Okay. <laughs> but it does kind of feel like the adults are in the room with this album. There's definitely this feeling of confidence and just craftsmanship in the songwriting that you can tell they're just professionals. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess like out of tears has always been a favorite of mine. feels like angie kind of you know that melancholy kind of bluesy Mm. kind of thing that they're known for Mm -hmm. with the pianos and everything you know like i I don't know it's just it's always been one of my favorites off of this one yeah like i said i'm not that familiar with the album so i didn't want to pick an underrated song because i didn't have much of a frame of reference but if i had to pick a second favorite from the album i think that's the highest point of the album for me is moon is down followed by out of tears it's just they match so well together in terms of mood and yeah out of tears it has a real I'm surprised I haven't heard it in movies. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's the kind of one that would be like a good emotional climax to a film. may have appeared somewhere i'm not sure but that could be the fact that it's the rolling stones and i'm sure it's not cheap to license their music either so that's a good point unless you're making the sopranos yeah, and yeah. They're, they're a fan of your work then they might come down on the price or something <laughs> so do you have any memories specifically tied up to this album besides purchasing it with your mom is there anything else that sticks out in your no, mind? i mean you know like i said this was one of my first cds one that i listened to a mm-hmm. lot so like you know yeah that time period you know, I was listening to a lot of stuff because, like, I think we're pretty much the same age, right? I was 14. I just turned 14 when this came out. So, okay. Yeah. So I was born in 80. You were born around June of 80. So, yep. okay. You know, you're kind of in that 14 year old mindset mm-hmm. of, I'm going to lock the door, leave me alone, you know? So, like, <laughs> you listen to this one and, you know, a lot of other stuff of the time. I guess the memories are just sitting around listening to it, just kind of closing the door and maybe turning off the lights and just laying there and listening to the album. You know, you're bringing me back. It's something I hadn't really thought about much on this show is how much seclusion was involved with the time frame. Doing that exactly. Like for the first time, you're starting to really pull away from your family and develop your own interests at that age. Yeah, I did the same thing. I just locked myself up in my room and 
just put headphones on and just lay there and listen to an album and do nothing else. Yeah. Which I can't say I have the time or the like the patience to do very often anymore. Yeah, I agree. Like not only the time, but you're right, the patience. Like, all right, <laughs> you know, you're going from here to there. You got to work. There's stuff you got to do. There, you know, you're living life, and right, I'll have time just to stop, put headphones on, and just listen. Yeah, I'm just going to absorb this album for the twentieth yeah, time yeah. in my room alone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true too. You yeah. would do it like a thousand times, and now I'd be like, I can listen to this album, you know, because I listened to it a couple times for this. Sure. Been a while. And yeah, now it's like, all right, I need to move on to something else. Like I've heard this enough, you know, <laughs> back then you could hear <laughs> yeah. it 30 times and you didn't get tired of it. Yeah. Before we had access to every album in the universe, pretty much, right. I would just buy an album and I would just wear it the fuck out, especially when I got older and I could drive, you know, just like in the CD player yep. yeah. over and over <laughs> again. Now, is there a song you could single out as being, I don't want to say the worst, that's not nice, but you know, the, the one that stands out is maybe not the strongest on the album. And there's so many songs, so it's kind of hard. Yeah. To... Um, I don't know. Maybe Brand New Car. You know, it's like, okay, that's all right. I feel validated because I didn't really want to pick a song. Again, since I'm not that yeah, familiar, yeah. I didn't want to pick a song. that, But that was the song that to me was like, oh, another rock song yeah. comparing <laughs> fucking to cars. Yeah. Clever. Well, you know, that's the Stones <laughs> for you. You know, they're real yeah. subtle. <laughs> maybe Mean Disposition. It's not a bad tune. It's just kind of a weird album ender. Yes. Yeah, especially when you have Through and Through right before yeah. that, which sounds like a pretty obvious al album ender to me. Yeah, that seems like the, the order. Maybe I, I assume that was probably up the producers. Obviously, the Stones produced their own stuff, but Donald was. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's his decision. I'm not sure to kind of leave it on a higher note. Yeah, it's not that it's bad. It's just kind of, oh, that's what yeah. you're ending with. All right, well, that, that yeah. was an ending. And Brand New Car is not bad either, just kind of lyrically. I mean, musically, it's a little dry compared to some of the other stuff happening on, on the album, but lyrically, it's kind of like, okay. Although I do have to say the lyrical low point on the album is not, I want to fuck you in the ass. No. It's also in Sparks Will Fly, it's um, Sharks Will Cry. That is the low point for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to double check the lyrics and be like, did he just say Sharks Will Cry? Yes, he did. He's running out of rhyme. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to see him live? No, unfortunately, no. I tried, oh, I want to say it was 99. I live in the Charlotte area. They came to Charlotte and we tried hard to get tickets for that. Like, you know, this was when you still had to basically wait in line and everything. This is right before oh, God. the websites really blew up. So you wait in yeah. line and everything. And then like, it was like we were there for hours. And then like right before they were about to open the doors, they're like, all right, more people showed up than we thought. We have to do like a lottery or something. We went from like being like 15th or 20th in line to like 99th in line. Oh no. Then we got screwed. That sucks. That's a sad yeah. story. <laughs> I've got a few stories like that in, in the old days of trying to get tickets, but yeah, <laughs> I still haven't gotten to see them live. Hopefully. I mean, they've come a number of times since then. It's just now they're kind of pricing me out. Yeah. Oh my God. I can only imagine what it would cost to see them at this point. And didn't one of them pass away? Charlie? Charlie yeah, the drummer. Charlie Watts, the drummer passed, right? But they're still playing without yeah. him. Yeah. Well, you know, they've got a history of just pushing on. Yeah. What they've done, I think, since Bill Wyman left is basically you're not like a full-on member of the Stones. You know, you're just kind of like a touring member or you're uh, just kind of part of the group, but you're not like one of the official Rolling Stones. So I think all that's left now is Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and uh, Ronnie Wood. Oh, okay. What track do you want to use to go out of? Uh, I'd say Out of Tears. I mean, like, that's the one really uh, – and maybe that's just because now it hits me a little differently than it did – back then you know like maybe 
I'd say back then I was more into the rock side of the album, but now I'm kind of more liking the slower paced stuff. So the rock stuff on here is good. Yeah. And there's plenty of it. Like, like you said, love is strong is such a great kickoff, but the songs that stuck out to me most were definitely the ones that were more mm, lower yeah. key. Yeah. Maybe that's age. I don't know. <laughs> Theirs and ours. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Would you say there's like an MVP on this album? Like a single dude that really makes it? Uh, Probably Keith Richards. And he's actually got a couple of tunes here where he's singing. Mm-hmm. Which ones does he sing? Through and Through. Oh, that's him singing that? That explains why I never really could tell that it was a Stone song when I first heard it on the Sopranos. I was like, I didn't recognize his voice because it's not, it's not Mick Jagger. Okay, that explains a lot. And The Worst. Oh, that's another really good one. I said from the first, I'm the worst kind of guy for you to be around. Tear me apart, including this all that is true, and never ever let you down. that's awesome i didn't even realize that i think those are two of the best songs on the album so go figure when you're trying to pick an mvp of the rolling stones like good luck (laughs) i knew it was a loaded question i was giving to you the real question i guess what i'm really asking you is who's your favorite stone Uh, oh man that's that's tough oh that's tougher that's that's almost as tough as like you know john lennon or paul mccartney you know like oh I won't hold your feet to the fire. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. I don't want them to hear this. and then <laughs> yeah, They might be in my 20 listeners. It's possible. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else about this band or about the album you want to say before we move on to other stuff and wrap things up? Like I said earlier, I think it's kind of an underrated album because they have so many great albums. So, mm-hmm. I think gets swept under the rug, especially now, 29 years later. Yeah. I-, I think people that like the Stones probably like it but probably not as much as the other stuff obviously but i think really if you haven't listened to this in a while you should give it a spin you know give it another listen give it a chance i'm so glad you picked it because i'm definitely a fairweather stones fan i listen to beggar's banquet i'll listen to exile on main street you know i listen to like the obvious and expected ones i didn't really dig into the deep cuts in terms of albums very much so i really had not approached this album and now that i have i really enjoyed getting into it the last few weeks and i'm like I'm not going to stop listening to it. I'm going to be returning to it. So I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Me too. So I always wrap up my shows with asking questions like kind of generally about the 90s, usually about specifically 93 or 94. But in this case, I'm going to ask you questions kind of more generalized about the 90s. And you have a horror podcast. You are a horror guy. Perhaps you're sick to death of talking about horror, but I feel like you're probably not because you've been doing it for years and years. Yeah. So I have a question for you. And I also kind of took a leap because I'm thinking you're a horror fan. You probably like Stephen King. Am I wrong? Yeah, you you got that right. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to give you a list of all of the TV miniseries based on Stephen King's works that come out in the 1990s. And you can just give me like a, you know, like a little blurb, whatever you want to say about each one of them in terms of what you remember about it. And then just tell me which one is your favorite and why. Some of these I didn't even see. And after making this list, I'm like, oh shit, I need to go back and watch, for instance, the Tommyknockers from 1993. I never saw that. I remember the book, yep. but I never actually saw that. I know it was uh, Jimmy Smith's and that's all I know yeah. about it. You ever see that one? No, there's probably going to be a couple of these that I didn't see. 
Yeah, I would imagine. Another one that may have missed. I remember seeing it when it was on was Golden Years of 1991. Do you remember that yeah. one? About the dude that's like aging in reverse? Yeah, that one was pretty good, if I recall. Although it's probably been since back then, since I you know, saw it. Yeah, same. Same. I, mean, I thought it was amazing when I was 11. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how good it is now. That's the question. Does it hold up? <laughs> right. Um, Storm of the Century from 1999, the one that he wrote the teleplay for. I never actually saw that. Did you see that one? Yeah, that one's actually really good. Like, surprisingly good. Yeah. All, you know, the look of it probably doesn't hold up. It's, it's a TV thing, so look sure. of it. But yeah, but the story. enjoying that. Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking most. And I'm like, okay, I might actually jump in on that because I don't know why I never saw it before. And of course, there is a stand from 1994, which I don't know about you, but I've seen many times. And then lastly, The Shining with Steven Weber in the role of Jack Torrance. You know, I've never seen that one, but I've heard a lot of people say that that one's closer to the source material. Yeah, that's the whole reason that they yeah, did it, because yeah. King wanted to make something that was like, you know. Yeah, so like, I think for that reason, people really love that one. Yeah. Because Kubrick went left when he could have went right, you know. On <laughs> yeah, and Steven Weber, he's not a bad actor. He's no Jack Nicholson, but like, I remember him actually kind of like doing well here. But again, I was 17. Yeah. So I was impressed by Wings at that time. So I guess which one's your favorite and or which one of these would you watch now if you had the choice? Well, The Stand. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Out of those. Oh, and It. I didn't mention It from 1990. That was a two-parter. So that's also an option. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, I just threw a monkey wrench in there, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, because that is great. Tim Curry. I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you were afraid of. Just awesome. Hard to pick one between the two. Yeah, probably I would lean it. Yeah. You're putting a gun in my head and like you can only watch one. That's it. You know? Yeah. It's a tough call. It is. Yeah. For Tim Curry's performance alone, it's worth seeing that. I'll say that um, during the pandemic of all times, I went and rewatched the Stan series. Yeah. And I was like, well, goddamn, this is still really good for TV yeah. and for uh, an adaptation of like one of the longest books I could think of. I was about to say, those are good caveats to throw in there for TV and for the fact that the source material is so big. You know, like I would yeah. still love to see like a really well done, you know, long length version of that where they're staying true to the source material. Oh, man, I forgot another one. And I, I can need to take a closer look at this list. And then the Langoliers. Also, I, there's, I didn't mention it, obviously. I've never, never seen it. It had the worst ending ever because it was a bunch of like computer generated images before they were really good at making computer generated images. But Bronson Pinko was uh, really good in that one. Or Pincho, whatever you say. Balky, yeah. if you will. Balky. Oh, Balky was okay, good. Now no. <laughs> okay, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and doing this with me. I really appreciate it. You're very much welcome to come back on if you want to. And uh, if you ever need are in need of guests over at Spook Show, definitely let me know. We're wanting to get people on so yeah we'll, okay donnie or i will reach out to you and get you on like rather than later that sounds awesome i'd love yeah. to do it it's been too long all right man thank you man good seeing you
Thank you to Josh Adkins for coming on the show. Really appreciated. It was really interesting getting his take and his perspective on this band. And also a big thank you to the Rolling Stones for their decades of music. It's funny, at the time of recording this, their new album Hackney Diamonds is literally hours away from being released because I'm recording this on October 19th of 2023 to totally date this episode. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be available to you pretty much if you're listening to this, probably. It'd be great if you wanted to come on the show, dear listener. Uh, you are very welcome to come on the show if you want to. You could talk about any album you want that came out in 93 or 94. You know what other major band released an album in 1994 that hadn't released anything in a long time was The Eagles. That's right, the motherfucking Eagles. They released Hell Freezes Over, a live album with a few new studio tracks in 1994. Maybe you're a huge fan and want to talk about that album. Maybe. I don't know. I'd be down. I respect the Eagles. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't like most Eagles music that I've ever heard. Who the fuck am I? I pretend like I don't like the Eagles because I like Big Lebowski? It's bullshit. I like the Eagles. Or, you know, we could talk about any other album that came out from the era. Usually we tend to do more indie rock alternative stuff, but I am very open. Let's talk music. Or maybe you just want to email me and say hi. That's fine, too. You can contact me at 9394podcast at gmail.com. Do please follow Josh Adkins in his podcast, his network, <laughs> his growing media empire, all-American Spook Show. Definitely check it out. It's very much worth your time. It's funny. It's fun. They cover so much nostalgic shit and so much random shit. I highly recommend. And if you like this podcast, 9394, that you're listening to, maybe, uh, you know, click that button that says five stars or whatever on whatever app or whatever method you're listening to this through. Uh, ratings do help, and I would appreciate it. And that's where we'll leave it for today, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, take care of yourselves. All right, bye. Podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized.
Peace, don't sue.